All right, everybody, go ahead and pull out your Bibles this morning if you haven't already. Whoa. Everybody doing okay? Go ahead and open up to Psalm 139. You guys are throwing me off. You're, you're kind of quiet this morning. You're usually yelling at me and stuff, which is good and fun. Feel free to talk back. It's okay. Psalm 139. Uh, if you need the table of contents, that's okay. The Bible in your seat, like I mentioned before, you're free to use that this morning. But if you don't have a Bible, please take it with you. Take it home with you and keep it and, and start reading it and explore God with it and uh, just see what he might do in your life. So pull out a Bible, phone, a real Bible, the Bible we give you, whatever, Psalm 139. And we're going to get there in a little bit, in a little while. Before we uh, get kind of into that, I want to share a little bit of my story as we get started this morning, and we're starting a series over the next five weeks this morning, and, and as I kind of launch it, I want to just share a little, bit about, a little bit about me. So I started following Jesus in college. Some of you know this. Some of you haven't heard this story before. Um, I really started following Jesus when I was in college, but before I started following Jesus in college, I kind of grew up believing in God and believing that Jesus was the Son of God and all of that kind of stuff and that Jesus was the only way to get to heaven. Like, I grew up in church. I grew up in a Christian school. I grew up with all of this kind of stuff. I, I had Bibles growing up. I believed that the Bible was important. I didn't really understand the Bible, but I knew that even if I didn't understand it, it was a good thing and the Bible was, you know, true. I didn't know what was true in it, but I knew it was true, even though I didn't quite understand it. And um, I, could, I could, like, beat you in a sword drill. Does anybody know what, remember sword drills from yeah. vacation Bible school, you know? So, okay. So I could probably beat you in one of those, and maybe I still can today. I don't know. But I generally knew the right answers when it came to God. I, I knew where stuff was in the Bible. I knew what was right, what was wrong. I knew how to give good answers. But for me, nothing really clicked. It never mattered because none of that was good enough for me. Like, it didn't matter. Not good enough, like, oh, I'm too good for that. But just like, what, so what? It didn't, it didn't impact my life at all. None of this knowledge. Because in all that I knew ab about Jesus... I didn't actually know Jesus, and all the stuff I knew about wasn't really that appealing to me. Like, I was never really that interested in Jesus, really that interested in the things of God. Because it wasn't satisfying to just know a bunch of stuff or, like, try to be a better person than other people. Just not that interesting to me. I didn't really care about trying to be right about all that, and I really didn't like going to church services that I didn't like. That was not fun. Me and Sunday morning never really got along. But when I was in college, I remember when I started to get around Christians, that I'd, I'd been around Christians my whole life, but being around people who, who actually seemed like they really knew Jesus. They didn't just talk about Jesus. They, they actually knew him. And when they worshiped, when they sang the songs that I had always sung, they sang them differently. They always said Jesus' name like I had always heard, but they said his name differently. And, and they believed the Bible was true, but they didn't just talk about it. They like really lived it. They were really living out what they were reading in the Bible. They acted like they believed this stuff. And it really threw me for a loop, honestly. I thought I knew everything, and I saw these people actually living like they really knew Jesus. And when I came to that realization at 19 years old, I was at the end of my freshman year of college. I had had all of this history with church and with God. I'd seen people, but then I had kind of not really done anything with it. And I, I kind of came to this point when I was... Uh, 19, just about to turn 20, and I just had this realization, and it sounds really dramatic, but it wasn't even a dramatic moment, but just this realization that my life was kind of a joke. Like, it wasn't going anywhere. I wasn't really doing anything. I was, like, doing things. I mean, I was, I 
graduated all right from high school. I was in a good college. I was doing stuff, but I wasn't really doing anything. You know what I mean? Realize, man, this isn't going anywhere. Life's not really going anywhere. I'm not really doing that much. I, and frankly, I don't feel like I really even just bring that much value to anybody I'm in relationship with. I'm just kind of cruising. And I knew that in the bigger picture of life, I didn't really bring that much to the table. So I, I had two options. I remember just really, frankly, not, not emotional, just a kind of a black and white, honest moment with me and myself. And I realized, okay, I've got two options now that I've sort of had my eyes open to how I'm living my life now. I, I kind of know where it's going. I've got two options. One, I can keep going the way I'm going. I can keep living my life the way I'm living it. And, you know, right now in this moment, that doesn't sound good, but at least I know it. At least it's familiar. And it's not really going to have to cause any changes or anything. So I could keep living my life the way I was living it. Or maybe there was really more to Jesus than I had ever known that there was up to that point. Maybe there really is something to Jesus. And maybe I really did need to give him my whole life and just see what he could do with it. Those are my two options. So I chose, I'm going to try really following Jesus here and see what happens. And at the top of your notes this morning, do you have notes out? Get some notes out. If you don't, get your phone out, get a piece of paper out, a pen. God's going to speak something to you this morning. I want you to get your notes out. And at the top of your notes, I want you to write the title for this series that we're starting this morning. And the, the, the title for this message that I want to preach to you this morning, it's really simply this, Every Day, Jesus. Every Day, Jesus. Jesus. I don't know about you, but I need an everyday Jesus. I don't know about you, but I really want an everyday Jesus. I had met Sunday Jesus and Wednesday night Jesus, but I had never met everyday Jesus. I had done the part way. I had done all of that kind of stuff. I had done like the Christianity, the Jesus thing that kind of sounded good and looked good on a social media bio, you know. And that was all cute and cuddly, but it meant nothing. It impacted nothing. It didn't matter at all. It meant nothing to me. And after a, kind of a, a, my short lifetime at that point of doing the every once in a while Jesus kind of thing, it sounded real good. It looked good in certain social circles, but where it left me was a decade into an out-of-control pornography addiction. It left me radically insecure. I could barely hang out with people. I had nothing to bring to life. I was paralyzingly insecure, and it wasn't going to cut it anymore. But hey, I could probably beat you to the book of Hebrews. I needed an everyday Jesus. I remember at one point, a few months after I had decided that morning, you know, I'm going to really try following Jesus. I don't have the answers, but I'm going to give this thing a shot. I remember at one point in that journey, I was kind of freaking out because uh, Jesus was over-delivering. And he, uh, he was more real than I had anticipated. He was doing more in me and with me. He was just, there was a lot more going on than I had anticipated. And I started, I'm just kind of freaking out. And I, and I had this moment like, okay, a lot's happening. I want adventurous life. My life was, I don't know what's going on. I remember praying this prayer. I said, okay, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. But if I'm going to follow you, I need you to show me the adventure in every day. Because I'd lived my life lacking adventure. I'd lived my life lame, and I didn't want it anymore. And I thought, Jesus, if you're for real, then I need an adventure in every day. And now, here I stand a few years later after praying that prayer, realizing how ignorant of a prayer that was. I didn't know what I was talking about because I didn't understand at all who Jesus really was. 
I came to him saying, if you're for real, then I need adventure in every day, not understanding who he really was. And he's so much better than I ever thought. And if we look around today, we're living in a world, and, and I'm a part of a generation that when they think about Jesus, when they think about church, when they think about Christianity, all of this stuff, they think about people like me before I really knew this everyday Jesus. That's what they think about. That's who they know. That's who they have experienced. There's kind of this meaningless self-righteousness and kind of these distracting agendas and there's people saying one thing and living out another thing and there's all of these religious ideas that, that say that they're awesome but change nothing. That's the world that we're living in. That's what they think of when they think of Jesus. That's my generation. When they think of Jesus, that's what they think about. And, and, and if you read even the statistics, whether they're from people in church or out of church, they say this generation's leaving their church. They're giving up on Jesus. They're giving up on church. And they're not giving up on Jesus. They're really giving up on religion because they haven't even actually yet met Jesus. Because I just, I just can't believe that once you really meet him, that you could walk away. Once you really taste who he is, you can't give up on that. And we've got this generation, and we're being told these things. And, and, and me as a pastor, people say, like, oh, millennials are never, like everybody's giving up on Jesus. No, we just haven't met him. The real, living, king of kings, lord of lords, adventure every day, Jesus. In these first two weeks of this series that we're starting, digging into this thought, every day, Jesus, they're going to be a little bit zoomed out. We're going to zoom out a little bit. I'm, I'm preaching this week, and then the one and only Steve Zanaco is preaching next week, so you want to be here. Talking about everyday Jesus, kind of in the big picture of life, how does everyday Jesus work out? That's what our first two weeks are going to be, this week and next, and then the next three weeks we're going to zoom in on some everyday things, some things that you think about I'll say every week, but if we're honest, it's got to be every day on these things because really, we can talk in theory about everyday Jesus, but really, does, does he have anything to do with my everyday? And the three things we're going to talk about are money, sex, and time. Don't pretend like you haven't thought about all that recently. We're going to talk about these things, these things that we think about every day, at least every week. And if Jesus is for real, then he ought to have something to say about these three things. So we're going to have a good time, and I want to challenge you to be here for these five weeks if it's at all possible. I'm going to Mexico this week, but I'll be back for next Sunday to listen. So challenge put to you. I want to invite you to be in on this, and let's just put it all on the table. I want to do it again. I want to bring my life to the table again. Okay, Jesus, seriously, if you're for real, then this should matter every day. What do you have to say? What do you have to say to me? We're going to have a good time digging into everyday Jesus. Can we do this together? I feel like I've, I'm like, got you scared or something. It's going to be fun, I promise. So when I have been thinking about this series, I've been thinking about this for my own life. What does it look like to live with Jesus every day? I think about back to then, but really every day it's still a decision. Am I going to follow Jesus today? Just because I made the decision once doesn't make it automatic every day. Anybody else can testify? There's kind of two foundational questions that I think need to be answered before we're going to dig into actually saying, yeah, let's live with Jesus every day. The, what I mean by this is the first question, maybe this will make, it, make sense, is I think there's a first foundational question. If you're anything like me, this question comes up when we talk about living with Jesus every day. The, my first question is, does Jesus really care about every day? 
does Jesus really care about me every day? Or maybe it could be asked this way, like, isn't God kind of busy? I'm just me. Surely God has more things going on than to worry about my everyday life. Or maybe God's far away. Does he really care? Doesn't, doesn't God just kind of want to take care of my sins and then it's just kind of me from there on out? I mean, even that's all assuming God is even real. Does he really care about my everyday? And I think that these are really fair questions and this is a really right question. It's an honest question. I think these questions, as fair as they are and, and as real as they are, they kind of... The, they kind of reinforce how absolutely absurd it is that the answer to this question is yes. God really does care about your everyday life. This is insane, which is why it kind of feels insane. If we're honest, this should be shocking. Yes, God cares about your everyday life. And this, this is like the, the absurdity of this gospel that we say we believe. That the living God really does care about our every day. This is fascinating to me. And, and I had to turn to Psalm 139. And, and the, the person who wrote Psalm 139, his name's David. And we're going to read like 16 verses. It's a chunk of them. Because I, you just get the sense when you read this that David has just been asking this question. Wrestling with this question. It does, does Jesus, does, does God really care about me? And maybe he cares about me like in general, but... but like the details every, every day, does God really care about me? And in Psalm 139, you, you get the sense he's been wrestling with this question, and, and he's noticed that the answer is yes. And he's almost been like looking back on his life. He's been getting, he's been almost seeing God. You can sense it. And he's just completely overwhelmed with this reality that God would care about him. And I want to read some verses. So if you've read this before, I just want you to get it, get, come with fresh ears. And just you can sense the like, almost trying to catch his breath kind of a thing here. Like, I can't believe the reality of this situation. Psalm 139, verse 1. I didn't know that was part of verse 1. To the choir master, the Psalm of David. All right, verse 1. I love it. He even starts with, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You're acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, oh Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. You think God might care? About every day, verse 7, where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. Your right hand will hold me. You think he cares? If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. You think he cares? For, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame is not hidden from you. It was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes, they saw my unformed substance. 
In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Does Jesus care about your everyday life? He absolutely cares. This is amazing. He, he, he made you. He's with you. He's called you. He cares. Every day, Jesus cares. It's really hard to live every day with Jesus if you're not convinced that he cares about every day. But we need to believe this morning that the answer to the question is we dive in over these next few weeks. Does Jesus even care? Yes, Jesus cares. I think the second foundational question after, well, does God even care? If the answer is yes, my next question is, why? Why? I, I'm just me. Why? Why would, why would Jesus care about my everyday life? I want you to write this down in your notes. It's really complicated. I even made a slide for it so you can see it. I want you to write down, Jesus loves me. Did I go to a funeral this morning or are we at church? I was just curious because Jesus cares about you. Why? Because he loves you. I know we've all been in church. We've heard it a bunch of times and it's kind of lost its meaning. But for real, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Tap your neighbor on the shoulder and say, you. Like, yeah, you. And the other one you ignored. You too. You too. Jesus loves you. I'm just going to keep preaching on this until it wakes you guys up. Jesus loves you. I want everybody to stand up right now. Everybody stand up. Some of you, this is your first time ever in church, and you're like, this is so stupid and weird. I don't care. You need it. Everybody, arms up in the air. You've never done this in church. I don't care. We're doing it. First of all, just stretch. All right. Say, I'm awake. All right, arms up. Nope, keep them up. Keep them up. If your neighbor doesn't have their arms up, judge them hardcore. No. <laughs> arms up. All right, everybody, on the count of three, as loud as you can, Jesus loves me. One, two, three. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves you. This is why God cares. This is why God cares about you, because he loves you. Jesus loves you. He loves you. Like, he made you entirely. He sees you entirely, and he loves you entirely. And I just, the reason I'm going on this is because you're only quiet when somebody tells you this when you don't believe it. Whoops. He loves you. I got 25 more minutes. I could just, he loves you. He loves you. He really, really, really does. Like God loves you. 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 For every reason you're thinking right now that he couldn't, he does. Every single one of them. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And this answer, it's, it's infinitely simple. It's infinitely simple. Why would God care about me? Because he loves you. God cares about me because he loves me. That's it. That's it. It is infinitely simple that Jesus 
loves you. He took on flesh and bone. He came to live on this earth. He lived the life you couldn't live, and he died on a cross, the death that you owed, and spread his arms for one reason, to just say, I love you. This is it. This is it. it this is as deep as it goes. I love you. And then he came out of the grave to give you the life you couldn't live so that you could experience it every day. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Everybody's looking around. Who's going to be the first one to sit down? You can go ahead and sit down if you want to. You're allowed to stand if you want to, too. It's infinitely simple. And the crazy part is it's infinitely complex. This reality that Jesus loves you. Infinitely complex. Here's what I mean. In, in Ephesians chapter 3, a guy named Paul who started a bunch of churches, wrote most of the New Testament. God used him to, to help us see who God is. He's writing to one of his churches, and he's writing out a prayer for them, saying, this is what I, this is what I pray for you. In Ephesians chapter 3, in verse 18, he says this. He's praying. He says, I pray that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's a big prayer. This love, it's infinitely simple, but it's infinitely complex. Like, I just pray that, that you, would, you would know like, the length and the depth and the width and the breadth that says you would know this love that you can't even know. That's my prayer for you. And that's my prayer for you this morning. Prayer for us this morning. That we would come to know this love that can't even be known. It's infinitely simple and it's infinitely complex. The height, the depth, the length, the width, the breadth of the love of God. It's so simple, but it never ends. It never ends. Does Jesus care really about every day? Yes, he cares. Well, why? Because he loves you. There's literally nothing you can do about it. There's no qualification. There's no explanation. He just loves you. For real. He loves you. We've got to settle these first two foundational questions if we're going to have any reason to continue down these next few weeks. Because if those, if he doesn't care or... If there's some other reason why, well, then I'm not really, I don't really want to live with Jesus every day. He gets kind of scary at that point. But what if he really does care because he really does love you? Every day with Jesus sounds pretty good. And it's infinitely complex. And there's, there's two truths. I know we just did two questions. I'm going to do two truths. And we'll do two other things. No, I'm kidding. It's confusing. But there's two things still that I want to end our time with this morning talked about these foundational questions and I want to talk about two truths because these foundational questions mean okay now we can go over these next four weeks we should keep going because we have answers but these truths are going to shape how we go through these next four weeks they're going to shape how and, and I hope that that makes sense as we, as we keep going because we need to decide if we believe these two truths that we're going to talk about or not because walking with Jesus every day is not easy every day some days, but not every day. Some days it's not easy. And, and on the days when it's not easy and you're having to decide, do I really want to follow the Jesus way right here or my way right here, you've got to decide what you believe about a couple of things. 
that are going to help you in those moments that's going to last a whole lot longer than, well, I stood up in church one time and raised my hands and said, Jesus loves me. It doesn't feel like it really is going to work right now, though. So you got to go deeper than that, yeah? So we're going to go two things for when it's hard. For when it's hard, two things that you've got to believe in the middle of the challenge. You've got to deeply believe that, number one, when it comes to life, Jesus is life. Simple. John 14, 6, Jesus says this to his disciples. They're saying, I don't really understand what's going on. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life that you're looking for. And this is, this is interesting because us people, like we say we don't like religion, but we're suckers for religion. Like we want, we say we don't want it, but what would be really awesome is if there was a checklist to know if you're doing everything good. Just so you, just so you can know, like, okay, great, I'm doing good. If I do these 10 things, then I'm good. That's great. The reason we don't like it is because we know we can't keep those 10 things. But if we could, that sure would be nice, wouldn't it? I just lost you guys, but that's okay. Jesus steps onto the scene. He says, you want me to just tell you what the new rules are. You want me to tell you who to vote for and if it's okay to kneel or not during the national anthem. Well, which way is the Jesus way? Jesus is the Jesus way. Well, what does that mean? Ask him. He's rigged it. We can't get away without walking with him. <laughs> We've got to walk with Jesus if we want to do this. We've got to believe that Jesus is life. In John 10, 10, Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, the thief, he's talking about the devil in your life. And he says, the devil, when he comes into your life, this is, this is intense and serious, and we're not going to stay on it for a whole lot longer, but I want to. <laughs> the thief comes only, everybody say only. Only. So the devil has one thing to do in your life. Only he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I, Jesus, came that you may have life and have it abundantly. So we could stay on this for a long time, and I could complicate it and try to be all good with it and everything, but I'm just going to try to say one thing about this. And if you're going to submit your everyday to Jesus... And when we get to it, if you're going to submit the way you see money, the way you see you see sex, the way you see your time, if we're going to submit our lives every day to Jesus, then we got to believe that Jesus has a better plan for our life than the devil does. It's that simple. Number two, number one, Jesus is life. Number two, you've got to believe this truth that your life matters. Your life matters. Yours, your life matters. Raise your hand if you're a follower of Jesus in the room. Raise your hand if when you gave your life to Jesus, you got taken straight to heaven. Yeah, you got taken straight to heaven. You, you, you're here now, you didn't. It's a trick question. <laughs> Anybody know anybody? No. Okay, cool. Well, then you must be here for a reason. Smile. You're not purposeless. You're not meaningless. You're here for a reason. That's awesome. Put it this way. In John chapter 3, Jesus is having a conversation with a Jewish guy who's trying to get his mind around what Jesus is trying to tell him about all this stuff and life and all these sorts of things. And Jesus 
compares uh, for him coming and get, giving your life to Jesus and being restored, he, he compares it to being born again. He says, he says it's like you're, you're born again. It's like a new life. All through the New Testament, there's this, uh, the, the language that we have for what happens when you give your life to Jesus is that you get a new life. You get a, you get a new life. You're, you're born again. And the way we say it around here is that the point of salvation isn't a destination, it's an invitation. This life in Jesus, getting your sins forgiven is not the finish line. It's the starting line. It's the starting line. Jesus doesn't say, just give your life to me, get your sins forgiven, and I'll see you in heaven whenever you get there. It's, no, you've got a starting line now. You've been invited into, being, live, into living a new life. You just got born again. What happens when you get born? You live your life. He said, I'm coming to give you life and life abundantly. We got a new starting line here. And now, since you didn't just get taken up to heaven, God's got a reason for you being here. Your life, it matters. And if you're going to live every day with Jesus, you've got to believe that you have something worth giving to Jesus. Ephesians 2.10 says this. It says, for we are his workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared in beforehand that we should walk in them. Doesn't it sound like they're out in front of us? So you got created, born again, given new life in Jesus. Why? So that you can live out good works. And that's not a heavy yoke because they're already prepared just in front of you. There is a meaningful purposeful life walking with Jesus every day for you every day in John 3 after that conversation with Nicodemus on the back end he, Jesus says something that's become really famous he says for oh my gosh I just totally blanked what's John 3 16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him not would get his sins forgiven didn't say that Whoever believed in him would make it and now he can just cruise and do whatever he wants because everything's taken care of now that I've forgiven his sins. No, so that you could have eternal life. Not just life now, but life eternal. And there's this crazy reality about Jesus. Part of what makes this reality of the gospel and his love so absurd is that he gives us the opportunity to live a life now that matters for eternity. Your life matters. Your life matters. You've got to believe that your life matters. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, again, talking about Paul again, he's revealing something to us that God wants us to get in all of this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I would ask, are we doing okay? But I don't think so, and I don't care, because we're going to keep going. Is there three people that are with me? Come on. Love you guys. This is so fun. Jesus, man, like... This is amazing, isn't it? This is so awesome. Have you ever lived your life not knowing if it mattered? It's terrible. It's miserable. Ah, oh, Andrew, why are you harping on this? Because it sucks living without Jesus every day. And you might be here right now being like, yeah. And some people don't think it sucks because they don't know there's another option. I'd say that's what I run into most. Talk, start talking about Jesus with people and it's not like they said, oh yeah, I bet he's amazing, I just don't want that. It's, I didn't even know that that was like an option. I didn't know that all this stuff was option. I don't know that God could care about me. I didn't know what it meant like 
for him to love me that it actually meant that he really wants to be in my everyday. I, I didn't know that like, uh, I thought Jesus was religious and Sunday morning. I didn't know Jesus is life. And I didn't know that this mattered. For real? This matters? So 1 Corinthians 3. Paul says this in verse 10. He's talking about, he's, he's talking to another church that he planted and he came and he's writing them a letter after he left because he traveled a lot and he just got it going and then he'd put some leaders in place then he'd go somewhere else and start something new. So he'd write these letters to check in with them later and he said this in verse 10, according to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building on it. Let each one take care how he builds on it. He talks about this foundation and he says in verse 11, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So in other words, he's saying, I laid this foundation. I told you this good news. I told you this good news, not Jesus plus anything. Jesus is life. He took care of it all and now he has a life for you to live. I laid this foundation for you. Now you take care of how you build on it. Because it's just the foundation, it's just the invitation, it's not the destination. Now you've got a house to build because you have a new life. You've been born again. Jesus took care of it. He's got a new foundation for you. Now take care how you build on it. Verse 12, uh, 12 yeah, 12. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day, will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. Everybody say reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Verses 12 through 15, 10 and 11, he says, I laid this foundation, which is Jesus. Now take care how you build your life. And he goes on to say, you can build your life a few different ways. You can build your life with valuable things. And he kind of uses this metaphor of gold and silver and precious stones. You can build an amazing, beautiful house, a beautiful life, or you can build with wood, hay, and straw. It's your decision. The foundation's taken care of. Jesus is good. You're saved. You've got this foundation. You couldn't lay it, but Jesus did it for you. Now you can build how you want. You can build a valuable house. You can build a house of wood, hay, and straw. And he says now, but when you come to Jesus in the end, you will present to him what you built. Keep this in mind. You will present to him what you built. And whatever you built that was worthless, it's going to disappear. But whatever you built that was valuable will last forever. This is the invitation. And, and this concept that God is a rewarder, like we don't like talking about it because we get scared about all the things we're not gonna get rewarded for. It's like, cause we see God as like, yeah, you can get rewards, but you're probably not gonna get to them. I hope, you know, I'm gonna make it really hard and all this kind of stuff. But Hebrews 11:6, he says this, God tells us this, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So faith is what pleases God, and you can't have faith without believing that He rewards you. That's crazy. In other words, obviously, if you want to please God, you won't have to believe He exists, but the second part of faith is believing that as you press into God, He rewards you. He rewards you with the deepest desires of your heart. He gives you Himself. He rewards. He's a rewarder of those who seek Him. 
We overlook this concept of reward because we get scared of what we're not going to get. But the point is to focus on the flip side. Your life matters. Your foundation has been laid. Jesus has saved you. Now, walking every day with Jesus, you get to build a house now that will matter for eternity. Here's how I can just put it as simply as I can say it. I want you to write this down. Your everyday walk with Jesus. Your everyday walk with Jesus is a setup. Your everyday walk with Jesus is a setup for eternal reward from Jesus. This is why we walk every day with Jesus, because it's a setup. It's a setup that when you choose to honor Jesus in these few moments that you have, they last forever. You, re you reap eternal reward for the way that you live your life now. It's amazing. Jesus is life, and your life matters. And we got to believe these two things when it gets hard. When I don't want to pick the Jesus way, I need to believe that if I do pick the Jesus way, it's going to matter for more than just now. Every day, Jesus loves you. Every day, Jesus wants to give you life. And every day, Jesus wants to help you live your life now so that you can reap rewards for eternity. Every day, Jesus. This is good news. I want you to stand up as we close this morning. Like I said, this is this the introduction for the next few weeks together. And as we close this morning, I just want us to kind of sign up for these next few weeks together. Whether you can be here or not, whether you ever come back or not, I want you to make this moment matter because your life matters. Let's make this moment matter. I'm doing it again, where I'm coming kind of back up to the line, whatever that means. If that's the line, I'm coming back up to the line. Okay, Jesus, here's every day. What do you have to say? And my prayer is that no matter where you are, no matter what you believe about Jesus right now, that over these next five weeks, that in this moment right now, we can just collectively, wherever you're at, just take one step at a time, one step more. I used to get intimidated when I was so far from Jesus. I just thought I had to do everything at once, but he does everything at once. I just do the one thing and say, okay, you can have me. Can we do that? Can we just come and say, you can have me? I want you to open up your heart right now just as we sing this song together. It's a song called Holy Spirit. It's been saying, God, you're welcome in my life. And I want you to just listen to the Holy Spirit as we sing this song. I believe that he's going to maybe be highlighting some things. And the only thing, the only reason God exposes something that's holding you back is to free you from it. You're safe. He loves you. And he cares. And right now, I want to just make these moments count. Come, Holy Spirit. Shed your light on my life. Shed your light on my every day. Where can I walk with you? Where can I find life where I've been actually getting stolen from, where I've been being killed, where I've been destroyed, and I haven't been following you? I'll need life, and I need it abundantly. And Lord, where have I been seeing that my life doesn't matter and I need to believe that it does? I need to live with the purpose that you've given me. So Jesus, we love you and we welcome you into these moments and we ask you, Holy Spirit, would you come? There's nothing we want more, Lord, than you in our lives because you alone are life. So Lord, we start this series this morning just confessing that you are life. You alone are life. Would you come, Holy Spirit, and speak to us? Speak to our hearts. 
And God, would you um, help us see you too? Help us see you clearly for who you are. Maybe you've been staying away because you were told Jesus looked like something and he looks a little different than what we've been talking about and reading about in the Bible this morning. You've been told you just need to be scared about what he's going to take from you. But it's time to have faith for what he wants to give you. So we believe, we stand right here, opening up our lives, being vulnerable, exposing ourselves because we trust you. We trust that you love us and we trust that you're not here to take. You're here to give life abundant in Jesus' name.